Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CEO, founder, co-founder, owner, innovator, writer, philanthropist, model, volunteer, wife, mom of four. Just an example of a few of the titles given to Melissa Shabinsky at any given moment in time. She has been at the forefront of organic and natural cosmetics with her brand Revolution Organics, as well as many other groundbreaking products. And she was the first to bring raw, cold-pressed juices to Ottawa as the co-founder of the ever-growing Raw Pulp and Grind. She has an in-depth knowledge of plant-based nutrition, the understanding of juicing, detoxes and cleanses, green products, entrepreneurship, health and wellness, and living in gratitude. I'm really excited to be able to share her story today. I should also mention she's the co-founder of the Fairy Godmother of Ottawa Prom Project and a contributor to Ottawa at Home magazine. Welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And for more information, you can always head to extensionmarketing.com. Melissa, it was a really easy introduction to make. There was just, it was like, we can just list things off because I know you have done so much. And I'm really excited that we finally have a chance to sit in this way to I, talk about things. Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it's always fun. I listen to that list and I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's, I, I yeah, I, I guess that's who I am, but it doesn't feel like that. Um, but it, it's um, very flattering. And it, it is, it doesn't feel like that because there's been such, I find with you such a process, such a journey as to how you have gone through so many different titles and times of your life and successes and lows and everything in between. Absolutely. And I think that's just part of growing as a person um, and, you know, that ebb and flow of, of your own life. And for me, it's just, I took a lot of pivots. Um, I took to, I tried lots of things and, and wasn't afraid to try things because I knew that ultimately I would learn something and it would lead me to where I was going next. That's a great attitude. Yeah, you have to have that attitude because I think if you don't try, you will live in regret. And if you live in fear of failure, then you're always going to be afraid. You have definitely not been afraid. And I think to step outside of the box. And I think it started really young. I mean, first off, you know, this is a podcast some will be watching on YouTube, but you have there's an extraordinary beauty to you and there always has been which is why you know you were discovered quite early I mean you've been you were modeling at an incredibly young age what was that like to be kind of taken from almost like a normal child but really acknowledged and and put on a pet not not I don't want to say pedestal but people saw the beauty at such a young age um, I guess I look back into that time in my career you know I started when I was about 16 years old and um I look back on it now, and the one thing that I I really acknowledge is that it taught me so much about business. Um, and the reason being is there are are like there's always going to be somebody more beautiful, somebody thinner, taller, whatever. But if you can learn what your attributes are and learn how to, you know, 
ultimately learn that it's selling a product and also working with people. You're working with producers, you're working with photographers, stylists. If they enjoy working with you, it's, it's like any business. You If you have really good skills to work with people, they enjoy working with you and they're going to book you more. And that's that's how I ended up working so much is that I just felt like, hey, I wasn't the prettiest girl out there, but man, like I really treated it like a business. At 16, that's impressive. To know that you could almost work the room with a good personality and a great attitude. You Honestly, you can. And I mean, I, I keep on trying to instill that in, in my daughter and my children. It's like you... You just have to be the best version of yourself and let that shine through. And people will see that like with, you know, without any kind of, I hate to say attitude around your, mm-hmm. you, but just understanding what you're there for. So when it came to modeling, I was there to sell a product. I Be it a lipstick, be it a pantsuit, be it a hair care product. That's what I was there to do. And man, I'm going to have fun while I'm doing it too. And I'm going to enjoy the process. Did you have any um, resentment from other girls? I mean, those are some pretty sensitive years, right, of being that age, a teenager, you're working, so you're making money. Yes. <laughs> you're doing it in a way that most people would love to be able to do. Was it hard or was there there needed to be a, a self-confidence and yet hmm, a little humble, like to be modest and humble at the same time? Yes. I mean, it was a little bit awkward when I was in high school having to run out to do, you know, Wes's When the Bay used to shoot the catalogs here in (laughs) Ottawa. So I would run out at lunchtime for like a two or three hour shoot and come back like full hair and makeup. So that was a bit awkward. And, you know, I, I, I... didn't love that whole process and it's funny because um I just I look back at it now and it's like oh how like how crazy are you like even in university I was doing the same thing like I'd be running out in between classes to do a couple of jobs and come back and like it's like who are you (laughs) I went to classes in sweatpants I I was always hiding in the corner but it was great like I had a little my first micro business was modeling Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I look at it it. it launched you though into understanding how businesses work, how products are created or marketed. Yes. And that really definitely came into play later on. But you still, I think, innately had this love and passion for beauty and makeup. It wasn't just that you were good at it. I think you loved it. Because I remember you telling stories about how you would literally pay your sister yes. to let you, <laughs> let you do her makeup. 100%. I mean, honestly, like basically hold her down, pay her five bucks. Um, I was the girly girl. Like I was that girl. Um, and I did love it all. And for me, it was as a, a way to express myself. Um, it was a way to be creative. Um, it like, I still paint and I feel like that's kind of the extension of who I still am. Um, because I love seeing how colors and, and, and paint and whatnot transforms things. So I makeup's very much the same way. Do you still feel that way? Like yes. even now? Even now I do. Um, and you can see like, even just when you want to feel different, you just do your makeup different. And it's like, it, I don't want to say it's like a mask cause it's not, I mean, makeup should never look like a mask, but it can really like change your personality based on how you do it. Like red lipstick, man. I mean, I don't wear red lipstick often, but when you put red lipstick on, it feels very different. You feel a little bit more powerful. So it just, it, that's, that's how I see makeup. Okay. Often though, I think when you're speaking to the majority of women, we wouldn't know 
to change your makeup. I yeah. mean, I think I apply my makeup the exact same every day. I think I changed it. You're right. I changed it when I was on the show, a different, a different lip color. Yes. <laughs> that was pretty much the extent of it. But can you see that you can create a different persona or different things when you have different colors, different looks. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. If I want to be more natural, I stay stay in the browns and peaches. If I want to be more dramatic, I go for the charcoals and the reds and burgundies. So I feel like you can definitely do that. And the interesting thing for me is, as I'm obviously into my fifties now, the way I use makeup is different because the, I find now the more you wear, the older you are. It's more aggressive on your skin. So I feel like now I look to makeup to, um, I don't want to say blur things out a bit, but I don't, I'm not using it to cover up anymore because I feel like at this age, you have to work with the skin you have, let it glow. I'm more, right now I'm all more about glowy skin and, and kind of be, like, seeing beauty from the inside out. Right. I think we're going to learn for you that a lot of how our skin and things are going to shine is more of what we're consuming in the foods than than what we're applying it. And we definitely will get to that. In saying that, when the, some of the first products, like what was, what was the idea behind knowing cosmetics, knowing how people are selling it? And at a younger age, coming up with the idea that you didn't quite like how it was all coming together, the products, the ingredients, and to really look at what was happening in the marketplace to eventually design your own stuff. I think um, one thing, I'm a little bit of an ingredient junkie. Like I really like to understand ingredients and what they do. So from a makeup standpoint, you know, one of the first products that I ever developed was with my partner, Randy Schinder, when we did Fusion Beauty. And that really just came from seeing all these kind of Again, this goes back to what I I envisioned was an issue that women were looking to fill. And that's kind of like problem, solution. It's every marketing thing is so problem. Every woman was complaining that they didn't like their lips. They wanted fuller lips. You know, fuller lips symbolized youth and beauty. Um, so again, that was a trend that was in the early 2000s. And so everyone was looking at lip plumpers. And so then I was like, kind of like, well, look at all these different lip plumpers out there. What are they using to plump? And it was cinnamon. It was, um, you know, all these aggravators that would irritate your lips to make them plump. So you're... It was more that we were having a reaction. 100% a reaction. And so it's like, wow, there's got to be a better way. And Randy at the time was working with Dessert Beauty. She had a lab that came to her and said, I've got this this crazy technology out of France. It's a micro collagen uh, molecule. Like what could you do with it? And that's where that conversation started with, um, with Randy and I, it's like, you know what, why don't we just make like one lip plumper? And at the time, she had her dessert beauty and I was doing a lot of uh, writing for the citizen at the time. And it came around to the fact that, well, let's just do this teeny little micro business on the side because we don't want to have to ask our husbands if we can buy new shoes. So let's just make our own money, right? So that was going to be our shoe fund. Okay. Yeah. So we were just going to start this business and and buy new shoes for each other and for ourselves without having to say, honey, you know, yeah. don't, don't be shocked if you see on the visa or whatever, I bought a new pair of shoes. So it's like, we're going to have our own money. And that's kind of how the concept of, of 
getting into this crazy little category of beauty and then this one product that could actually, you know, in our view, transform a woman because she could now be able to wear a lip plumper that plumped her lip with actual collagen. It was a marine collagen. Um, yes, fish. I was going to say, yes, okay. Yes, it was fish. Uh, but it was so small that it actually could penetrate um, the first layer of your skin. And once inside, it would attract all your water molecules in your body to plump your lips. So it kind of, it had the cool technology it, behind and it, it. And it worked. And it worked, the, which was the craziest thing. What, the first time that you put it on your lips, what was your thought? We were so shocked because it like, like anything, like you worry that smoke and mirrors is going to make you believe that something's going to work and that placebo effect. And when we actually were able to prove that it worked and we had the actual, um, the uh, lab work behind it to actually be able to say to our buyers, like, look, like we actually can prove that this does what it says it's going to do. So that was really exciting just to be able to do something so innovative. And as much as, you know, we researched what else was on the market um, when it came to lip plumpers and whatever, everything was kind of kitschy at the time. And the, the name Fusion kind of came out of the fact that we wanted to uh, fuse science and beauty together. And so that's kind of how Fusion Beauty kind of came about. And uh, that was, that was, it was an exciting time, but it was a bit, a, a bit crazy too, because we, we just didn't know how big it would get. Yeah. You were buying not one pair of shoes. <laughs> you, you could buy, <laughs> you could buy hundreds of pairs of shoes it, by this point. It, it, it was big. It was huge. And we were not prepared for it. Uh, 100% not prepared for it. So we, by, like by sales. when we talk about like how big, how big did it? In our off? first unit, in our first year, we sold a million lip glosses in our first year of business. And that was, um, but it was insane because we kept running out of our, our actual ingredients. So it <laughs> you, was, you needed to find more fish. We needed to find more <laughs> fish. And we actually did even talk about trying to buy the lab in France because we needed to source more of those ingredients. So it was a, it was a crazy crazy time. It was exciting, but it also, um, I don't think we were prepared for how big and how fast it got. And, um, but I mean, it was, it was a ride. It was a ride. And I think with a lot of people in business and relationships, you know, when you're unprepared and it's not planned out, like you went through like ups and downs with someone who was a best friend. Yes. Um, and then a business partner. And and I think as I'm learning with so many entrepreneurial stories, there's a lot of things that happen. Personalities, money, business. The relationships change. Well, you know what? It um it got to the point that the business was growing so huge that it needed to transition into a kind of more of a corporate brand. And so you know what? It was, yeah, it was difficult because it was like a baby that I'd created. But uh, like two years in, uh, Randy bought me out and merged it with her other brands. And it became under the more of a corporate umbrella, which it needed to do because it, it couldn't have sustained with just me traveling the world um, and and selling it because I feel like that was not sustainable either. So 
ultimately, it was the best thing to happen mm-hmm. for the brand. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned this, that you were traveling the world at that time. Can I ask at that point in time, how old are, how many of the four do you have? I have the four all kids? four. <laughs> you have all four kids yeah. at this time. Yes. My daughter, I think she's six years old at the time. And so six to 10, uh, maybe the kids. And it, again, we were not prepared for this. I did not have a nanny. I did, you know what I mean? I right. wasn't, I didn't have home, I didn't have that back of home care at all. So we were kind of just flying by the seat of our pants as parents, which was also really challenging. And I mean, my kids, they still, they still remember it because it, it wasn't traumatic, but it was a time in their life where I wasn't there as much as I probably obviously should have been. Um, but I also really tried like on some trips to New York, I would take the kids with me and my mom would come. Um, you know, it just, I kind of, you kind of just make it work. And Ian was, my husband was great. He stepped in. Um, He was the one to bathe the kids every night because the problem with the beauty business when, especially when you're selling internationally, is that so I'm working on North American hours with one buyer and then I'm working on UK um, and EU hours for like another 500 stores. And then we're starting to open up distribution to Australia. So every single hour zone was completely covered. And so sometimes it meant like I'd be on the phone till 1am and then I had to be up at 4am for other calls. So those were weird times, but again, you just, you, you do it and you adjust and uh, the, the kids were great about it. And more importantly, my, my husband was amazing about it. And uh, I, the, I learned a big lesson there that I didn't do with the next brand I created. What was that lesson? Was to put my family first and slow down a bit and not travel as much and not grow as fast. Hmm. I, I mean, I think sometimes people dream of, you know, of what you were able to accomplish. You had this idea and this product. You have a million sales within a year. You're traveling around the world. I mean, for some people, uh, which might work for like a 23-year-old single has the the opportunity to do so and not so much with a mom of four who already has this whole life established and all of a sudden turns it into complete chaos. Yes, exactly. And this is it. I just wasn't prepared. And um, I don't regret it for a second. But man, it just, it was like this tornado that, that, that swirled around for a while. But um, it, again, it's all part of that process that you go through and, and it taught me so much. And again, lessons learned are things that you can't ever put a tangible, it's, it's a huge asset to yourself and how you change and how you pivot and deal with things in your life. I'm going to fast forward a little bit because there's so much to get to with you and, because I want to get into then the new brand mm-hmm. uh, because I think it applies right now to women and how they're shopping and what they need to be looking for and how natural, green, plant-based is really, as we look at our skin as the largest organ of our yes. body, why it's so important to be looking at ingredients. Yeah. Your body, like 
your skin, as you say, largest organ, it absorbs almost everything you put on top of it. Like you look at even the way medications now being administered through patches. Just think about that. So your body is able to absorb medication when you put on a patch. So think about that when you put on your, your creams and your lotions and potions and everything. So for me, again, it's a personal thing and I don't ever, um, I don't ever stand on my soapbox and say, you have to be all natural. You, I mean, you can make your own choices, but for me, I wanted to educate myself on natural ingredients. Um, knowing what I knew about the synthetic ingredients was actually quite interesting because what a lot of the synthetic ingredients that we used in fusion were actually derivatives of natural ingredients. So like hibiscus is an amazing natural ingredient that is actually like a, a natural muscle inhibitor, kind of like a topical, like topical Botox. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hibiscus. Who knew? So again, so seeing how in a lab they would create products that would mimic hibiscus in a synthetic ingredient, you're like, well, wow, why wouldn't you use the real ingredient? Like, it's amazing. So looking at that, again, this kind of goes back to my just curiosity and research on natural on ingredients, be it um, food or beauty. I love just knowing what the properties of those ingredients are and what they can do for your body. So when it came to creating Revolution Organics, again, it was a personal thing. It was like, you know what? I just, I can't find an all-natural lip gloss. I cannot find um, an all-natural lip balm or moisturizer or whatever. Like, let's, let's like see if these things can be actually made. So I worked with uh, my partner, Alexandra Zanella, who I worked with um, on Dessert Beauty, and uh, she and I kind of just hit the labs. We visited a couple labs um, in Vermont and New Jersey and uh, in Philadelphia, like Pittsburgh. So we kind of went out there and said, okay, let's, let's sit down and see if we can actually create something that is really, really natural. And then, but I think you were doing that before the really natural buzz hit. Yes. You were doing it before the time. Way before the time. Because right now people would say, okay, I get it. But you were doing this. 2006. I was going to say almost like, yeah, right. Almost 15 years ago. And but the great thing is, and again, lessons learned, it's really great to do these things, but man, is it ever hard to be a trailblazer in that, in that category. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, anyways, from, from all those lessons learned, I, it was before its time, which was exciting because it we, like all of a sudden we were meeting with beauty editors and our first meeting with Lucky Magazine, which isn't around anymore, which was my favorite magazine. They're like, well, we want to feature you girls. And then we would go somewhere else and they're like, well, we want to feature you girls. Like you girls are doing something that nobody is doing yet. And you're creating all natural beauty and it's not here yet. So like, and you've got color. Well, that assortment. was the thing is the pigments were just yeah. so beautiful. I think for anyone, the appeal was the colors. Yes. It made you feel alive. It did. And they weren't, um, they were all natural pigments that we were using and nobody else was doing that yet. So it was, it was a very, that was a really nice, exciting time. But the, the, the very conscious decision was to do a very edited line, um, very multitasking products, you know, on the other side of beauty, we were thinking, well, why do you need 10 different 
products as a moisturizer, why do you need a lip gloss, a lip balm, a, a, a shadow, a, a contour, cheek contour, and a blush? This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They are a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally, as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. Why can't we make these products all multitasking? And again, maybe from a business standpoint, that wasn't the best thing to do because when you meet with buyers, they're like, okay, great. Now what's next after that? And they're like, well, you don't need anything else because we have it all. We have it all in this one, one, right? It's called moisturizers are all over moisturizer. You could use it on your face. You could use it on your body. You could use it on your hands. It's great. But when you're meeting with retailers, they're like, well, okay, but what comes out next season? And we're like, we don't need anything next season. Like it was, it was, that was, silly and again that was silly 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 and this is before e-commerce right Mm -hmm. so this is before you could actually talk to your customers directly and game changing for the beauty industry for sure right now but we didn't have that like amazon was just in those kind of infancy stages of and i remember thinking nobody is going to buy beauty online they want to touch and feel it like we need to be in stores we need to have like displays and we need to have an interact interactive experience. Well, I was so wrong. Like, look at beauty now. Look at Kylie Jenner with her her billion-dollar business all online. Do you think if you did it now online, it would be a different story? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I There's a lot of times that Alex and I speak about this. Um, it's like, oh, man, I wish we'd launched it, you know, 2014, 15, and being able to do direct-to-consumer only and having conversations with our customers and having um, control of our distribution. I think that where, for me, the industry got really muddled is having to, um, you know, change the brand, change our vision, change things to accommodate retail and and buyers. And I I think that if we were to launch that right now and have full control over it, it would be such a different scenario. Would you go back? I I don't know. I I thought about I thought about it. Uh yes and no. Um I do love beauty and I can see myself getting back into beauty again maybe one day the manufacturing side is challenging and you know that's something that I also learned about myself over the past like 30 years is I'm really good at some things and I'm really bad at other things and for me I need to find those people to work with that can compensate for where I'm really bad and let me just concentrate on things that are I'm really good at. Would you, as entrepreneurial advice, say that to someone else if they know where their strengths and weaknesses are? 100%. 100%. Find those people that can help you just do your stuff in a really great way. Like if you're, I suck at paperwork. I'm, I, I will fully admit I am terrible. Um, so I always need somebody to be behind me scooping up all the paperwork. Um, I tend to think really blue sky, which is great, but there's a lot of detail to get to that point. But I don't like the detail. I like the vision. So again, it, I totally, I 
this is something that I think that every entrepreneur goes through. And by trying to do the stuff that you're not so good at, you kind of get, I don't know, lost. And sometimes your your vision gets lost too because you can't see through all that. But if you can just find good people that can do the things that you can't do very well and they can do it a hundred times better and successfully, then you know that that piece of that puzzle is going to be like perfect. I think sometimes we wait because we don't think we're big enough or we don't have the money or the means to be able to do that, right? And I think oftentimes people work out of a state of fear. Absolutely. More so than anything. Yeah. I think fear is debilitating. Um, And I think that the biggest thing I try to tell my daughter is like, don't be afraid of no. No is a very scary word, but it it's it's not a closed door. And you know, maybe that goes back into my early modeling days when it's they have no problem telling you like you're too short, you're too, your nose is too crooked, your eyebrows are too weird, like whatever. Um, and I never took it personally. It's it's just like okay, well that's fine because we'll just move on to the next the next casting. And I feel like in in business, by picking up the phone call and, you know, making a cold call to a buyer or a supplier or whatever, and worried that they're going to say no to you, that can be really debilitating. But what's, who cares? At the end of the day, who really cares? So they say no, then you pick up the phone and you call the next person. And it's just, I know that's easy to say, but you just have to get through that, that it's not, it's nothing personal. There's not an ounce of personal in any of that. I hope people take that, take that little bit of advice right there. Before we launch into what's going to be the next aspect of who you became, I do notice that in those years there, because I'm, I'm, I'm realizing that Fairy Godmother started within those years because you were well, I remember the first couple of years of trying to gather fancy dresses and stuff for you to be able to launch this. I want to get to that before we launch into Mm -hmm. raw and the food. You and Catherine, a girlfriend of yours, created Fairy Godmother of Ottawa. Yes. It is probably one of the most talked about, one of the most appreciated charities that there are, helping young girls who couldn't afford it Mm -hmm. uh, be able to find that prom dress uh, and be able to go to prom feeling really good. Yeah. What was the idea behind it for you? You know, I guess it stems back into maybe my exposure to fashion at such a young, young age where I knew that when you put on a beautiful dress you felt beautiful. Um, And I think what shocked me is that I didn't realize how many girls didn't have that opportunity. So the concept kind of came around because I had been writing for the Ottawa Citizen at the time. And again, that's another piece of the puzzle that kind of just like always was part of my life. Again, just a creative outlet where I could talk about beauty and fashion. They were very generous. They gave me my own column and everything. But I was doing doing some research on prom dresses for an article about prom. And I came across this organization in Alabama called Fairy Godmother. And um, I was reading about it and I was like, wow, like that's the coolest thing ever. And called around to a couple of schools in Ottawa. I was like, okay, because I thought, well, I'm going to add this to my interview and I'm going to make it about that as well. And there was nowhere in Ottawa that girls could get a prom dress if they couldn't afford it. So it was kind of shocking to me, right? And then you hear stories, the more you kind of ask of people who actually never even went to their prom because they didn't have a prom dress. So that's a very, I don't know, I just, I felt like that 
is a rite of passage that we all go through where you're moving kind of from being a young girl to a woman in a lot of ways to that next stage of your life. And I don't know, I just felt like everyone should be able to celebrate it and I didn't understand how they couldn't. And so I spoke to my girlfriend, Catherine, whose family owns like our large dry cleaning business here in Ottawa because I was like, and she came same similar background to me. We'd modeled when we were younger and, and I was like, Kath, like, would you consider maybe starting this with me? Because I don't think there, it doesn't exist here. I've done all my research. Um, and we were going back and forth with this organization in Alabama, just saying, can you guys help us? Like, can you give us like kind of like the template on how to start this here in Canada. And they were great. They basically gave us their handbook on how to, you know, get the program up and going. And they shipped us 50 dresses. So that was our kind of first little bit of inventory were all these dresses that came up from Alabama. Um, and those were, they were real Southern. I was going to say, those would have been <laughs> full on. Full on prom dresses. Oh, yes, yeah, almost were. right off the pageant stage. They really yes. were. And then all it took was reaching out to women like you and other women in our city who were able to get the word out that, hey, you know what? We're going to start this program. We just need dresses. We'll take care of everything else. But we just are asking the community, can you go into your closets and get it? Like if you have dresses lying around that you have never worn or haven't worn in a long time and you want to help a young girl go to prom, we would love those dresses. And Catherine's family dry cleaned them all. They uh, had them done. They looked brand new by Mm -hmm. the time they were finished. We started very small, as you know, like the first year, I think we dressed, I don't know, 20 or 30 girls. And then it just kind of snowballed. You know, we were really shocked and like, obviously very humbled at the women in our community who stepped up. And by, you know, year three or four, I think we had like a thousand dresses. We had donated space um, where we had like a little office and all the dresses were stored and it just kind of um I guess for us it 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 filled a need that we didn't even know was there until we actually put it out there so not only I think a lot of women stepped up you know with dresses and then it became shoes and accessories and purses I mean the the inventory definitely grew but I think for a lot of people who took part in it and became, you know, for the day a fairy godmother, the experience of being with the girls and going shopping in the warehouse for the dresses, I think touched so many people. Like a lot of people wanted to volunteer. Like I love the days when I went and, and helped dress mm-hmm. because you went through the experience with this with these young girls. Yes. And to see their reaction or to see the hope when they would walk in that there was going to be something there for them. And you know what, that exactly how you, you described it is how we wanted the girls to feel too, is that they were being taken care of. This wasn't, they weren't there because they are, they required charity. You know what I mean? It, what, we didn't want that feeling. We wanted it to be like a special shopping day. Like you come in, you, we don't, we just, all our jobs as fairy godmothers was to make them feel like a million bucks. It was a one-on-one experience because as you know, even shopping for yourselves, you you want to take the time to find the perfect fit and the perfect look and color that you envisioned you would have. So we really 
we really wanted to make it personal. And I think part of the enjoyment for the volunteers as well is you really got to know that young girls by spending mm. even an hour and a half with them, um, helping them through this process. It was really nice just to get to know them and to see them kind of like f go through this this butterfly process of being shy and, and whatnot when they walk into then finding that dress and the look when they saw that dress on them in the mirror is like, I mean, you know, we, awesome. sometimes yeah. we're crying, <laughs> sometimes we're hugging. Like it's like, it is a magical moment and you, you can't bottle that. Like it's, it's fine. No, you can't. No. I think I freaked out once cause I ended up seeing where all the dresses are now. Like, <laughs> They're like hanging, they're like hanging from rafters. Yes. Like it's like, it's insane yeah. how generous the city has been. And so what happens now? I mean, with, you know, it, it became as many things with you happen, they yes. start slow and they become like this massive success. Yes. Uh, and almost overload. Oh, yes. And this, I, this is, this would have been our, well, it is our 16th year doing Fairy Godmother and um, well, a couple of things happened this year. Catherine moved to Toronto, mm -hmm. which broke my heart because she's one of my best friends. Um, but besides that, uh, we 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 just couldn't do it, the two of us anymore. So we have this wonderful, wonderful group of women who've stepped in and their church organization in Canada has stepped in and they have like taken the program up to the next level now, which is amazing to see that happen. Because I also feel, too, that sometimes, like in anything, fresh blood, uh, fresh ideas, fresh perspective helps everything. As much as I'm, like, I'm not sad to see my, like, it's not part of my life right now, um, but it's only, it's new. It's only been, like, six months that I haven't been involved, but I feel like I know it's in good hands. Like, I know it's with the women that want to make sure that they continue what we started and then continue to make sure that the program is available to the kids. And one thing that we're actually super proud about as well is we've been able to help start three other organizations, um, in one in Montreal, one in London, and one up, uh, up north. Um, so we've shipped dresses to all of these organizations so that they have their starting inventory. Like we just, like very, the Alabama, like the Alabamas. Yeah. Very paying new. it forward. Yep. And then also there's an incredible teacher out at Bell High School who has started it in house with the high school and they have their own prom pop-up that we contribute to addresses. So it's really nice to see the evolution of that. I think I should have added like evolution as the title of the podcast too, because with that, with everything that you build and then in a sense, let go or release uh, to flourish on its own, there's always usually then something that's waiting for you to then restart and to rebuild. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because when I saw raw, coming out, you know, and that I'm like, oh my God, she's at it again. Mm -hmm. That was my first response when I found out that you were behind Raw, which was again, bringing something new to the city, bringing a juice bar, bringing fresh plant-based, you know, into what people had been talking about. You can hear about it in LA and New York where everything gets yeah. started, but for it to come here. So all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, Melissa's at it again. She's got another business on the go. How did that start? Well, after revolution I was I said I'm going to take some time to really just like to myself and figure out you know what kind of gets my goat 
And at the time, on a personal level, I was deciding that I really need to switch up my diet. I've had some like like health, not health issues, but things that I've been dealing with that I wasn't really happy about. I'm going to change the way that I eat because I'm not feeling great. I had just, like not just, but within the last 15 or so years, um, found out some really aggressive allergies and intolerances that I had on a personal level that I couldn't actually just focus on. It's a weird thing to say because everything was so busy. I'm like, I'm going to try to figure out my own, um, my, my own body. And because as mothers and as employees and as we we tend to put that last. Yes, exactly. Right. Cause it wasn't until you said, okay, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to slow that down. I'll actually focus on myself because yeah, we don't do that. Exactly. And <laughs> so I was exploring going vegan at the time. Um, I, again, I am not vegan now, so I can... I can okay, how was Ian and the four kids on this decision? <laughs> you know what? They're they're actually great, and I was getting to the point where I was making all these different meals, and I was experimenting, and then one of the biggest concerns for me about, you know, like, leaning in to plant-based, and that's kind of what I was doing, is, okay, how am I going to get protein? Like, I don't understand this yet. Like, what am I going to... Like, where does protein come from when you don't have animal-based protein? Because again, but you your had brain... enough knowledge to know that you needed it. Uh, yes. So you were going into this with how much education? Yes. Well, nothing until I decided, well, you know what? I need to figure this out for myself. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, just, I went looking for a program that I thought would teach me what I could learn that I needed to, you know, heal my body. And so I, I did an online course through um, Cornell. I just said, I'm going to just do this for myself. And so it was just one of those like moments that I just said, right, yeah, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to focus on this. It's online only, so I can do it when I need to do it. Um, and I just decided I'm just going to do it. So I did my plant-based nutrition um, just for myself. And it's just a certificate. It's I'm not a nutritionist. I just, again, this was completely a selfish choice that I made to educate myself. And again, this is goes back to my ingredients. And I guess I keep going back to that. I need to understand ingredients and I needed to understand those plant proteins. And I needed to understand if I were going to go this way, could I feed my body still? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a great experience and I learned so much. And I didn't know then that it would take me where I am now. Okay. What surprised you most in the education process? What did you learn? I basically learned that you don't need um, animal-based proteins, even though, again, I'm not a vegan now. I I, I do eat fish and eggs, and I will not turn down a a piece of chicken. I don't eat red meat. Um, But you know what I mean? Like, I'm conscious of what I eat now, but you do not need um, animal proteins in order to get enough protein. And that that was really interesting to find out. And then um, just... I think that being able to understand as well, once I started experimenting and working with food and, and, and trying different recipes, that things tasted really good too. And that's, again, just I, I, my own, um, just, it was, again, it was completely just something I wanted to do for myself is just teach myself how to cook with plant-based foods. Okay. 
So you're doing this for yourself. Myself. You got a little bit of education. Yep. Ian and the four kids have already been through enough of the transitions of mom building these multi-businesses multi yeah. and, and kind of slowing down and then building up. So what happens when you go to Ian and the kids and go, okay, so now that we um, I've educated myself on this, I think I have a great idea and want to get involved in another business. Well, to be honest, it, it wasn't my idea. Um, so one thing... I travel a lot and I'd, I'd always been traveling for business and then we travel as a family. Every time we went to a city, I would usually go to a juice bar and pick up a couple of juices for the, the trip and keep them in the hotel room because... Okay, what did you like about them? I just felt easy grab and go. I felt nourished. I felt um, I was getting my greens. If I like, I just always felt better when I drank juices. So that was part of kind of my lifestyle over the past 10 years leading mm -hmm. even up to this and even more so like even the year or two before that because it was more prevalent. You could go to any city anywhere and get anywhere but Ottawa for me mm -hmm. um, and get juices and get plant-based foods. And so um, friends of mine, Nikki and Richard Valente, who own Fratelli restaurants, a very Italian Italian restaurant here in Ottawa, they they felt this, I, we, I remember having this conversation with them and with specifically with Nikki, it's like, how come you can find all this in other cities but not in Ottawa? And I never forget, Richard called me one day, he goes, meet me at this coffee shop in 10 minutes. So he, I'm like, okay, Richard, like, what are you, like, what's up, what's up your sleeve? And then he had another gentleman there by the name of Jordan O'Leary, who owns Morning Owl Coffee Houses, and he goes, here's my vision. This is what we're going to do. And, and, and I think Jordan and I were both kind of dumbfounded, and we were just like, he goes, are you in? I'm like, okay. And, and I didn't really understand what I'd said. What you'd sign what, on for? Sign on for. And he goes, okay, perfect. And then basically it was like, okay, run with it. So it was like, okay, well, oh my gosh, like what are we going to do? And so we just started talking concept and, you know, what, um, what wasn't here that could work. And, you know, at the time, I mean, I love Pure Kitchen. I still go there all the time. It was here, but it was a sit-down restaurant and there wasn't really anywhere to go grab and go with a full juice assortment and full plant powered power bowls and like salads and everything to go that you could just either sit or take it to go. So we're like, okay, we're going to make it a grab and go. Like, let's, let's just get into the kitchen and see what we come up with. So we got a kitchen, a temporary kitchen on Cooper street and just sat in the kitchen for six months and didn't come out till we had a lineup of juices and foods. Was it fun to experiment? Did you know that you had like a winner on certain recipes and had to figure things out with others? Yes. And how did you kind of break it down to know that you wanted to have an order to the juices and, you know, like a, almost like a breakfast, lunch, dinner yes. or how much went into that? A lot, a lot. And, you know, I'm grateful because Jordan, um, he's a whiz in the kitchen. So I, I mean, literally I would just sit and sample and he would make everything and, my job was to figure out how to translate the information on a retail level because again it's it's for me it was a product and and then also the marketing of it what's your problem like your what digestion you is problem then we're going to create a juice for digestion if you need to get your greens and we need to create one for your greens if you are feeling sick and you need to get that you know kind of liquid pharmacy thing going on with with um with things like ginger and turmeric, we need to create that as well. So it was kind of 
working around the same thing about juice. So we wanted to make them like functional as opposed to just yummy tasting. But then on the consumer side, you still have to make them taste good. Mm -hmm. So sometimes things that are really good for you don't taste so good. So we were very conscious of that at the same time. And then just packaging. And again, I, I said I wanted to get out of manufacturing and packaging, but here I am back in it again because we needed to package the juices and, and everything to be able to market them properly. Right. You're also dealing with a short shelf life. Yes. Right. Because I'm assuming you have fresh produce, mm-hmm. fresh vegetables mm-hmm. and fruit coming in, having to go through the process of juicing. And gosh, I'm so frustrated when I would try, you know, you buy a whole bunch of these apples or pears yeah. or something and you end up with like this little tiny <laughs> ounce. Yes. So how much had to go in to be able to have a juice come out. Oh, yeah, so much. And that's where you learn, too, about, like, greens, like, specifically, like, kales and spinaches, they do not juice a lot. Um, So you need to mix them with other greens, um, vegetables, like zucchinis and cucumbers and celery that juice more. So you get more volume because it just pure kale and spinach don't give you a lot. But then you want to get more of those true greens in them as well. So you want to add things like spirulina to your juices as well. What's a spirulina? Spirulina is a a blue-green algae um, that's really high in protein. And so you want to make sure that you're getting like a true green juice, you know what I mean? Like that's, that was, we were so conscious of that, just that each bottle had three pounds of fruit and veggies inside. So three pounds pounds per... Per bottle. Per bottle. Yeah. So when you think about it, it's um, it's a lot. Like you, you, the actual, we do it often, the actual display of what's in a bottle is mind-boggling. And you're like, oh my gosh, that is all inside of there. But once it goes through our juicer, our professional juicers, all the fiber's taken out. And it's just the raw juice that's left over. But like, as you say, the shelf life, yeah, we have like a, I don't know, anywhere between four to seven day shelf life now. And as challenging as it is, is actually for me, I love it way better than cosmetics because cosmetics, you have to do minimum orders. So you always had to order like 10,000 of one color of lip gloss. Even if it wasn't going to be your best seller, you always had a minimum order with your manufacturer. Well, this is great because we now know how fast we go through certain juices. So we don't have to make the volumes that we that I would have had to have done in the cosmetic industry. I can we can curtail it to what our demand is. So what is the volume of what's coming in per day? Because you're going seven days a week yeah. of fruits and veggies coming yeah. in and out. On the days we juice, so we're down to juicing three times a week, um, about a thousand pounds of fruit and vegetables arrive at the door. And they get uh, done one by one per variety of vegetable, and then we blend. So it's kind of like a little laboratory process, and then we blend and pour and package. So within the pouring and the packaging, there are different things that go into them. Mm -hmm. And the bottles are great because you know everything that's going into. You've done a great job with the packaging. But let us understand what people think that they're buying. Because you have different words. Like I'm going to detox. I'm going to do a cleanse. uh, And then people will show products. But exactly what is being done when people consume them. Right. So we really... Within the packaging, we're very conscious to pull out some of the benefits. Again, problem solution, you know, highlighting benefits, but being true to what that ingredient is. So, you know, 
ginger. Um, one of my favorite ingredients ever is ginger. Um, I just, I love ginger and turmeric, to be honest. I think they're just miracle roots. And they are incredible sources of antioxidants. They're great for anti-inflammation. So um, we speak to those um, with like Beauty Glow is my favorite juice. And within it, we have um, a lot of lemon in there. So lemon as a citrus is collagen building. Um, so just really, we, we kind of take the fun part. And again, like it's just, it really is just a, 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 a being able to highlight what that ingredient is and how it can help you feel better. So our black magic has coconut charcoal in it. So coconut charcoal is a known detoxifier. It actually can help recognize toxins in your body and help to expel them. And so we put detoxify on that. So you know what it's going to do. Mm -hmm. So you're not nervous. And so our heartbeat too, like beets are blood purifying. Um, so we, we're just letting you know what those ingredients can do. Mm -hmm. Uh, the immune boosting that I like that one. Yeah. Lots and lots of antioxidants and vitamins and minerals. Um, and that's just, again, letting you know you're getting three pounds. Like think of trying to eat three pounds of vegetables. Um, you're, you're, you're overloading your body with all these amazing nutrients. Okay. But why do people then choose to just do a juice day? Like, or a clam? Like what, what's the point of that? The point is we've taken the fiber out of the juice so your body can absorb it without having to do any work. So one of the main, for me, benefits of doing a juice cleanse is giving your body a rest. I think it's really important when you're not feeling that everything's kind of processing properly or functioning properly that you give it time to heal. And by drinking just these juices on their own without fiber, your body absorbs all those yummy and and potent um, enzymes and nutrients and minerals and vitamins, but you're not chugging away, having to actually work your digestive system to actually absorb it. So it's easier on the system? It's giving your system an ability to heal. So it's mostly digestive where you're going to see a huge difference. Um, and then also think about with if you juicing well, all day, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? So, you know, I always say beauty from the inside out. You are feeding your body all this great stuff. One of the best compliments we ever get after people have done a juicing program is like, oh my gosh, my skin is completely changed. It's like, well, yes, because your skin's your largest organ. You've eating it good stuff. There's no refined sugars. There's no gluten. There's no dairy. Like you're, you're avoiding kind of all those trigger um, things that can aggravate your skin, but you're actually feeding it from the inside out. A lot of people talk about the bloating, right? Yes. Or the IBS. So that's where I think a lot of people just feel these issues, right? And then yes. sometimes I'd look down and I'm like, my stomach. It's just, it's all in these weird shapes and it's not yeah. working the way it used to. So a lot of people tend to feel, you know, the swelling goes down yes. or their system's it kickstarts the system yes. a little bit. Your system works better. Believe me, I've had to, having worked in a juice bar, I have a lot of bathroom talk now with people and it's like, it is an issue. And, you mm-hmm. know, we, these are conversations that we have to have with, with um, our, our clients because yes, it's mostly digestive complaints that we have people coming in with. 
that we just like inflammation is is a horrible feeling and you know just they're they they're looking for a solution and you know we are not doctors we are like not pharmacists but if we can help make you feel better um, and give you something really nutritious and healthy and and good for your body then then we've done a good job so not everyone's going to be able to get to the juice bar and not everyone can kind of afford to be able to continue this on, but they can do it at home. So for you, if you could give a tip to people who can try to do some of this, what would you suggest they use or blend or use together to be able to try something at home? Well, right now, I, I to be honest, if you even if you don't have a juicer and you have a blender, you can still benefit by blending your veggies. Um, and again, like for me... I think veggies are a little bit more potent than the, the fruits are amazing, but uh, fruits tend to have a lot of natural sugars in them. So, you know, experiment on which veggies you really like, you know, try cucumbers with mint and, you know, add a zucchini in there. You won't taste the zucchini at all and throw an apple on top and just experiment, put it all in your blender, then put it through um, a sieve to get the fiber out. So it's basically doing what we're doing, mm -hmm. but um, you're doing it at home. Uh, but just experiment and then please add ginger uh, to your diet. Like when you're juicing, like throw in ginger. Um, turmeric is unbelievable. If you can add that as well, it's just, you'll feel that inflammation just go down if you're, if you're feeling that at all. But I think the thing is just experiment on what you like and and try try so there's no magic combination there's not like a magic combination it's really about getting the volume in and yeah. the fiber out so it's it's using the sieve it's the pulp is it the that that yes. you're dismissing yes yes and having the rest of it come yeah through. exactly if you don't have a juicer Mm -hmm. And right now, celery is big. Um, yeah, I've seen a whole bunch of your yes. posts too on these celery. So what are we people doing with celery? Celery, um, again, this is this all comes from the medical medium. Um, if you follow him on Instagram, it's his, his protocol is 16 ounces of pure celery juice every morning on an empty stomach. And uh, you know what? Like, truth be told, I do it every day. And I feel it, it really just, I feel good having celery. And again, there's... You can, this is not my claim. This is all his claim. And I think that's what this has to be is you have to decide if it's something that makes you feel better. And if it makes you feel better, then your body likes it and it's good It's good for your body. So and it, what the thing with celery is they say that the, the benefit of it is these little salt clusters that can, again, attach to these toxins in your body and help to expel them. But for me, I just, I feel energized when mm -hmm. I drink celery juice. And is there anything added to the celery juice? Not at all. No. You're just putting pure celery juice. Yeah. And it's just, it, again, if you don't have a, a juicer, that, you can do it I'm in a blender. I'm just thinking about how much celery has to go into celery juice. So for me to do 16 ounces is a full um, stock of celery, full bunch. And is that an eight ounce glass in the morning? Uh, 16 ounce. So you're doing six. So you're going yeah. through a stock of celery a day. Mm -hmm. Thank God the price has gone down. I was going to say, <laughs> you know, like there is something to that. It, it yeah. It's expensive yes. to do that. I mean, I'm thinking like two two sticks of it. But no, you're no. taking the whole stock. The whole stock, yeah, because you take the fiber out. So it's just the juice. But honestly, when it, I, there was a, I think because of this, there was a celery shortage. Yes. And so the prices at one point, I mean, I'm not even kidding you. I think they were 8 
And I mean, thank God life is the, has <laughs> the balanced end. itself again because it's gone back down. And uh, so I think you can do non-organic for like $1.99 now and organic for maybe $2.99. Um, so it just, it just depends. So the price that you would pay for your morning coffee. That's exactly it. Is what you're investing in on the salary. Yeah. And same with when you look at juicing in general, like it, it really, I mean, yes, it's expensive, but it is an investment. It's an investment in your health. Um, and you know, I can't tell you that it, that how it's going to make you feel. I think it's something that you actually just have to try and, I think that's the biggest eye-opener for people. Uh, we've had like true like meat and potato guys um, come in and they're like, I don't think I can do this. And like they're used to their morning donut or whatever. And it's like, you know what? Then just try it. And if it's not for you, you'll, you'll know. And it's amazing on the fourth day, they're coming in saying, I've never felt better. Uh, like what can, what can I eat now? What can I, what can I do to keep this feeling going? And it just takes a change of mindset to make a change for the better. And sometimes it's just about eating more fruit and veggies and realizing that you feel better because of it. So would you recommend just adding, if you can, one juice per day? You know, if you want to continue with eating. Like most people don't go to the extreme and do full-on every day all yes. the juices. I don't think you should. Yeah. So just have the normal, have your meals and then add it in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just add where you can. I mean, I really, we do like a juice till dinner. So you could, I do that almost like two or three times a week where I'll just drink juice because I happen to be in the store and I just happen to grab juice as well during the day. And then I have like a, one of our power bowls for dinner. And I just feel like that's what my body really likes. I'm not a full on, for me, juicer all day. I, I, I don't, I don't like, think, so. I, don't, I don't think you can sustain that. No, I don't think so either. I think it's when you want to make a radical switch. If you feel like your body is like saying, hey, something's not right here. You need to kind of help me get through this. I think it's a great thing to do. I think when you want to change your mindset about how you look at food and realize that you need to feed your body more, it's a great thing to do. I think what's more sustainable is being conscious of trying to get those fruit and veggies into your diet in any way that you can take them. And sometimes for me, the juicing is the easiest way to do it. That's three pounds. And I just like, I can take it with me and go anywhere. Hmm. Where do you see this going? You've got two. Mm -hmm. Then you have pop-up shops of mm -hmm. this going. Where do you see raw pulp and brine going? It's interesting. You know, we get approached almost on a daily basis uh, for people who are interested in, in either talking to us about expanding it or telling us that they need to be in other parts of the city. We, we get mm -hmm. calls and emails for Barhaven mm -hmm. all the time. Canada, Orleans are like, we need this in our neighborhood. And it's, I, I mean, it's something we're very conscious of, but we're also really conscious of making sure that the business is healthy too. Like as much as we're serving healthy, we need to make sure that the business is healthy. So by... The great thing is, again, I, I'm I'm in charge of the making sure that people, the customer understands what they're what's going in. Jordan is amazing with our recipes. My new partner Jeff, he's unbelievable with suppliers. And again, I'm terrible. So thank 
God for Jeff because he's so good with dealing with our suppliers. And so he has... Right. You need a lot of vegetables and fruits coming in. That's it. And on we, those days. And you know what? Like, we want the best ones that give us the most juice. Um, and anyway, so finding those partners that do the things that you're not good at was such an important piece of the puzzle for me to see this business be sustainable and then for the future growth of this business to just ensure that we've got every single piece of the puzzle perfectly aligned because you don't want to grow too fast and not be able to control it. I think that the beauty of the success that we've had is that we are very hands-on and we understand the source of everything that comes in and out of the store and we know the price down to the penny as to what we're paying and if you grow too big too fast you lose control. You've learned a lot over the years. I've learned a lot. At the beginning of the podcast I came up with like 10 different titles for you. Could you list for you the, the, the top three or how you see yourself? Well, first and foremost, a mom. Um, I'm proud as punches of my four amazing children, and I feel like they have seen me evolve, and I'm hoping it teaches them that they can have their own evolution as well, and that that is that would make me the most happy. Um, I guess my other first, I guess, besides being a mom, I think. Ultimately, I'm a marketer, and I think that's kind of where my brain goes, is I see something in everything, and I feel like I could figure out a way that you're going to want that too. And I feel like that, to me, is is kind of the fun part of my brain, you know? like So, you know, at, you know into the other years, I mean, you've, you've just passed over the, the 50 mark. There's no slowing down. No. Oh, no. And, and and that's something, too. So many people are like, well, I'm already so-and-so. This is life. Mm-hmm. But I had someone say to me the other day, there's a long runway. Yes. It's a long runway. And, and do you see that still? Like, there's the energy, there's the want and the desire to, to keep going down, even though you don't like to fly. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I fly a lot for someone who I hates know. to fly. I'm I like, know. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. No, I don't ever see myself... Um, not doing something and I just and I I just know that this I love being in in raw and I love what I'm doing here and I know that no matter where that takes me that pivot that I that I do with either within raw or after raw or between raw or whatever it will come from the same place that I've always been that's amazing Okay, do you want to know that we've like way you were? I should mention like when we started this, Melissa's like I can't sit for an hour. There's no way. Okay, we have gone way over. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. So I want people to know where can people go for more information. Uh, is it where's the best place to go? Uh, for, for raw, yeah, for raw would raw, be one. Pul- yeah, rawpulpandgrind.com mm-hmm. is our website. It kind of just shows everything that we do. Um, it's not as comprehensive as obviously being in our stores but it gives you a really good idea about what we do and what makes us different mm-hmm. and then we'll just have to trust me I tried googling and then I tried googling all your other stuff like you there's some great articles or some great you know interviews that you had done just to be able to see how much um, you've actually done but you have some great things too um, you know people 
there's Instagram, there's, there's lots yes. of information that you've put out there as well. And so I just want uh, them to have that ability to see all the things that you are doing. Okay, so my last question to you. Okay, so you're up in the morning. What uh, Women over 50, what do you want them to put on their skin, use as a product, to get out the door and consume and try to do that in like one minute? Okay, vitamin C. Yes, highly concentrated vitamin C serum. Put it on your skin. It's going to help renew your skin completely. Um, I'm a huge believer in it. Um, How do we get? So just like like we would get like a vitamin E oil? Like vitamin a, C. Okay, no, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. like a vitamin E in an oil? Yes, like, get it in a serum. Get it in an a yeah. vitamin C serum. Yeah, a concentrated one. Um, and then you can also buy the powder and activate it with water because you have to get activated C, which again, this is a whole ingredient junkie thing, but um, the powder is really concentrated and you just activate it with vitamin C and put it on your face. It's going to help turn that skin over. So I believe in tricking your skin to create its own collagen. So vitamin C can do that. Vitamin C. Vitamin C and lemon water every morning because that's going to give you an extra boost of vitamin C and it's great for your digestion to keep just your digestion in check. So you have your celery juice and your glass of water with lemon? Yep. Okay. And then on the skin? Vitamin C and um, again, anything as you get older, anything that gives a renewal to your skin. So exfoliation, AHAs, retinol, uh, vitamin C, they all do great things to again make your skin think it's damaged so when it's damaged it kicks collagen hmm i like that mm -hmm. okay i think and you can find that you can find it anywhere um try health food stores try your whole foods um they have a great selection uh some of the specialty spa mm -hmm. lines as well are really great because there's nice high concentrations and even you know go online and look for some like pure ingredient based um items like i buy a pure vitamin c powder Okay, and uh, topics that we're going to be getting into, like the CBDs. Are you following what's happening with CBD and the cosmetic industry? I am. I am following. Um, I think that um, it's it's a slippery slope, mm -hmm. and I feel like I wrote an actually an article for Ottawa at Home magazine about uh, about CBD in products. But the, I think what people need to understand for now. With the regulation, it's a hemp-derived CBD, so it's you. you there's no, um, obviously, ability to to. There's no THC. There's no THC. <laughs> no. So it's hemp-derived, which is amazing. So you're getting a lot of anti-inflammation properties to it, a lot of the soothing properties to it. So from a skincare perspective, um, it is it is changing for sure. Mm -hmm. But it'll be interesting to see what happens next when there's more regulation to it. We'll have to do a follow-up. Yes, we'll have to do a follow-up. Melissa, thank you so much. I really appreciated the chat uh, and really appreciated the information. And, and to the honesty, hopefully too for entrepreneurs or people that are creating businesses or products to be able to kind of step back and go, okay, let's see if we have all of this covered. That is another episode of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. I want to thank everyone for listening and please thank you for liking and subscribing and commenting and letting people know that the podcast is out there. It's awesome to see every night. The podcast numbers are growing and I really, truly appreciate the support. Have a great day, everyone. See you back here next week. Oh my gosh, that flew by. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with. 
at soundoff.network.